Good evening, my friends, and welcome to 62 Horror Movies with Josh Hitchens, that's me, where I'm your host for a creepy double feature every night in October. Come join me one last time, won't you? My friends, we have made it to the finish line. Today is October 31st. Today is Halloween, All Hallows' Eve, the greatest holiday of the year. I want to thank everyone who's been listening to this podcast. It's been a lot of fun to do, and although I got behind a couple times in my posting... Here we are now at the end of this project, 62 horror movies in 31 days, my friends, and I have saved the best for last with the two movies that are my favorite Halloween movies, the two movies that no matter how busy I have been in years past, these are the two films that I have to watch on Halloween, or it's just not Halloween. The first one is Trick or Treat, uh, which was written and directed by Michael Dougherty, and it was uh, finally released in 2009. We'll talk about that in just a moment. And then my favorite of all, The Midnight Hour, released in 1985, which is my favorite Halloween movie of all time. So... Settle in, folks. This is Halloween night on 62 horror movies. So, Trick or Treat uh, was made in 2007, as I said, uh, written and directed by Michael Dougherty. And this film premiered in 2007 at a film festival and played several other festivals in the subsequent two, three years and got just ecstatic reviews from critics, ecstatic response from audiences saying this is one of the best Halloween movies ever made. And the studio that made this movie, um, Warner Brothers, uh, did not release this movie theatrically, and no one seems to know why. Um, supposed to be released in uh, October 2007, that didn't happen. Supposed to be released in October 2008, that didn't happen. And finally, for inexplicable reasons, this movie, this great movie, was released direct to DVD and Blu-ray, finally, in October 2009. Even though it did not get the theatrical release that it deserved, Trick or Treat is a movie that has really found an audience since it was released on DVD and Blu-ray, and among horror fans and Halloween aficionados, it is a highly beloved film, and for good reason. So, what became the movie Trick or Treat started off as a short film written and directed by Michael Dougherty called Season's Greetings, which was going to be the original title of this movie, but um, people thought it sounded too much like a Christmas film, so they changed the title to Trick or Treat, and it's Trick or Treat, um, because there was already a movie called Trick or Treat that was released in the 1980s, so Trick or Treat is the movie we're talking about right now. 
And it is, like all the best Halloween movies, a truly wonderful and vivid depiction and celebration of the holiday. And it also is another one of my favorite um, horror movie things in that it is also an anthology film uh, where you have different stories that all connect together. And one of the really brilliant things about Michael Doherty's Trick or Treat is that all those stories relate and interconnect in fascinating ways. Um, it all takes place in one night on Halloween night in the fictional town of Warren Valley, Ohio. And much like Quentin Tarantino's Pulp Fiction, uh, it has a nonlinear narrative. Um, the order in which you see the stories in the film are not in the chronological order in which they occur throughout the night. So this is really one of those movies that benefits from being watched twice. Um, because you see characters from different stories in the backgrounds of other stories. And once you've seen it at least twice, you can really see how brilliantly Michael Dougherty pieced together this wonderful terror tale about the rules of Halloween. And Michael Dougherty did an interview where he explained uh, part of the genesis of this film. And he said that each of the stories in Trick or Treat uh, represent a different stage of a person's experience with Halloween. So, um, Michael Dougherty said in this interview, the first story with Dylan Baker and his son is about how you're introduced to the holiday. The second one with the kids is you and your friends roaming around without parents for the first time. The one with Anna Paquin and her friends is Halloween in your 20s when it becomes about sex. And the final story with Brian Cox is Halloween in your twilight years. It's the Scrooge of Halloween. So that's a really great way to look at Trick or Treat. Um, and I think is a real, like, it's just made with such love of the holiday. Um, and it's an interesting horror movie in that every single death that happens in Trick or Treat happens off camera, um, where the camera will cut away before the person is killed. And there aren't a lot of horror movies like that, and it's a real tribute to the brilliance of Trick or Treat and Michael Dougherty that um, it still feels like a scary film. Um, but it's not like a terrifying film. It's a movie that's really a celebration of Halloween and all its traditions. And at the center of Trick or Treat is the character of Sam, uh, who originally appeared in Michael Dougherty's short season's greetings. Um, he appears to be um, a small child trick-or-treating wearing footy pajamas and a burlap sack over his head. Um, and it's not till the end of the film that you find out what Sam really is and why Sam is enforcing the rules of Halloween. So to go uh, briefly through the stories of Trick or Treat, I'm not going to spoil the endings of them because this is one of those movies that you should really uh, go in not knowing all the twists and turns. But Trick or Treat starts with um, a man and a woman who are returning home after a Halloween party. Um, they've got lots of Halloween decorations and pumpkins um, outside their house. 
And the wife, Emma, makes the mistake of taking down the Halloween decorations before Halloween is over. And that's something you do not do. And she pays the price for it. The first main story that we see involves a principal um, who is played by the great character actor Dylan Baker, um, who has a very interesting relationship with his son and a very interesting way of giving candy to children on Halloween. Um, That's all I'll say about that, but it's a great one. Uh, Next is probably my favorite story in Trick or Treat, and I think is most people's favorite part of Trick or Treat. Uh, the tale of the Halloween school bus massacre, where um, there's children who are going out trick-or-treating, and there's a really great character, Rhonda, who is obsessed with Halloween. I identify with her a lot, and uh, she goes with a group of more popular kids to an old abandoned quarry in the town, um, and a really horrific urban legend is retold um and i i won't spoil what it is but it's enormously effective and deeply deeply satisfying the next one is uh called surprise party and it features anna paquin oscar-winning actor uh also star of true blood um and she is going out on Halloween uh, with her friends. They're all in their 20s, and they're picking out their costumes. And Laurie, who's named after Laurie Strode in John Carpenter's Halloween, incidentally, uh, decides to be Little Red Riding Hood. And she's shy, and, you know, her friends are picking up these guys to take to this big, you know, sexy Halloween party in the woods. Uh, And Laurie isn't sure that she, you know wants to uh, lose her virginity, um, but in the end goes to the party and finds her match. Uh, This sequence, the finale of this particular story sequence, also features Marilyn Manson's excellent cover of Sweet Dreams Are Made of This, which, as I said when I was talking about the House on Haunted Hill remake in the last episode, if a movie has that song on the soundtrack. It's a great scary movie, and that is very true. Trick or Treat as well. And then you have uh, the story that is just called Sam, where you have um, Brian Cox as Mr. Krieg, who is sort of, uh, as Michael Dougherty said, the Scrooge of Halloween. Uh, And he learns how to take the holiday seriously, thanks to a visit from the character Sam, and it's in this sequence where you find out what Sam really is, and what Sam wants, what his purpose is on this Halloween night. Uh, And the character Brian Cox plays is, he's made up to look exactly like John Carpenter, the director um, who did Halloween back in 1978. There's a lot of tributes to John Carpenter's Halloween in Trick or Treat. And then after that, you have, just like the beginning, you have a sequence where you see all the stories kind of coming together, all the characters crossing paths in different ways. Um, And the movie ends with a really great, great twist ending um, that I'm not going to spoil for you. Trick or Treat is just a delightful movie. As I said, it's a movie just made with great joy for the holiday, and I think it is a must-watch on Halloween night. Um, 
Michael Doherty, the writer-director of this film, has gone on to direct two other films. Um, several years after Trick or Treat, Michael Doherty wrote and directed the movie Krampus, uh, which is a Christmas horror movie using uh, the mythological character of Krampus, and it's a re also a really great, fun, scary movie, uh, and if I do a 12 Days of Terror for Christmas horror movies, which I think I'm probably going to do, Krampus is definitely going to be uh, one of the movies that I talk about, and also... Um, he directed the most recent Godzilla movie, Godzilla King of the Monsters, that just came out in 2019, which I actually have not seen, but uh, do need to check out, because I really, really like Michael Doherty as a writer-director of horror films. Um, he has such a reverence for everything that's come before him and for the art of horror um, and paying tribute to the past while making really great horror movies in contemporary times. So I cannot recommend Trick or Treat enough. Uh, I think it is a modern classic, absolutely in the canon of the great horror movies, and one of the greatest movies ever made about the holiday of Halloween. So watch Trick or Treat, my friends, and then we'll come back for our final film in our series of 62 horror movies, and my favorite Halloween horror movie ever made. But watch Trick or Treat first. Look out, it's the midnight hour, baby! All right, my friends, this is our final movie of our 62 horror movies, and it is my favorite. I have saved the best for last, I think, anyway. This is The Midnight Hour, uh, which is a movie that I don't think a lot of people have seen, but they should. Um, it's actually a made-for-TV movie that um, aired on November 1st, uh, 1985, uh, which is the year I was born. Um, weird that it aired on November 1st. I don't know who was responsible for that decision. Um, but anyway, uh, it's also set on Halloween, uh, and it is set in the small town of Pitchford Cove, somewhere in New England, which was originally named Pitchfork Cove because there were lots of um, witch trials in its past history. Um, I love this movie so, so much. Um, the Midnight Hour is one of those movies that I have to thank my mother for um, because she taped it uh, went back in her days when she worked in a video rental store. And I saw this movie when I was very young, um, and it scared the shit out of me, um, and still does. Um, there are sequences in The Midnight Hour that I think are still pretty terrifying and unsettling, um, and it's a very violent movie uh, for TV uh, back in 1985. You definitely would not get away with uh, this on network TV today. You just absolutely would not. Um, but The Midnight Hour is one of those great Halloween movies that kind of has absolutely everything that you want in a Halloween movie. Um, it sets up a very vivid... Um, small town where historically creepy things have taken place. Um, 
and just has all sorts of monsters. And I'll just talk bri- I'll t- talk about the plot very briefly. So uh, it focuses on a group of high school teenagers um, who are clearly played by actors that are in their 30s, but, you know, whatever. Um, and it has a really uh, great cast and um, really wonderfully, especially for the time, a very diverse cast. Um, there's a lot of bla- there's a lot of great black actors and characters in this film. Uh, Sherry Belafonte Harper, uh, who was an actor and also a singer, um, is great in this movie, and she actually wrote and performs a song later in the movie that I'm going to talk about in a little bit. But the idea is, it starts off with the main character of Phil, uh, who's played by an actor named Lee Montgomery. And Phil's sort of the nerdy kid, wears glasses, is really interested in Halloween and folklore and creepy history. Um, he's kind of uh, who I ha- always wanted to be and I have become uh, as I've grown up. Um, but he gives a class presentation on the history of uh, Pitchford Cove and the and the witch trials. And there is a uh, witch named Lucinda uh, who was an enslaved woman uh, who practiced witchcraft and was later caught and burned at the stake. Um, and she was caught and burned at the stake by Phil's ancestor, um, who was a witch hunter. Um and so he relate he relates that whole story, and then uh, of course Melissa, played by Sherry Belafonte Harper, is a descendant of Lucinda Cavender, who is the witch, who is played by Janelle Allen in this movie, um, and she's going to have a big Halloween party in the old creepy. Uh, Cavender Mansion, and the kids, uh, the teenagers, decide to break into the local witchcraft museum and steal um, the original clothing that both um, Phil's ancestor and Melissa's ancestor wore, and they also stumble upon this old chest that has an old ring and a scroll inside it. And they decide, because of course you do, what else you do on Halloween, to take that scroll to the local cemetery. And they re they undo the scroll and it is a curse. And the curse goes like this. Astratios Mundabor Desmagon. I invoke your powers. Come heed my bidding on this night of nights, the eve of Samhain, All Hallows' Eve. Spirits of darkness, I command you to rise from your graves at Lavabis Sagame. All manner of demons, I implore your release from eternal torment. Castigus Sagame. All manner of dead, renewed by sleep, Thirsting for blood, this night and forever, he who is touched by evil shall become evil. Sodomus Sagame, he who has died shall rise again. Bestimus Sagame, life to the dead, death to the living, demons arise. So that's the curse. Um, And then they're like, "Uh, let's get out of this cemetery. This seems spooky. So they leave the cemetery. And the cemetery is, I think, 
one of the great spooky cemeteries um, it, that I've seen in film. Um, you know, these old, old graves um, on hills and all these m old mausoleums, and there's smoke all throughout the cemetery from piles of burning leaves that are going out. Um, and after the teenagers leave, then the curse takes effect, and all hell literally does break loose in the cemetery where all of the dead come back to life. And it's a really, really great sequence. And in the midnight hour one of the things i think makes it so delightful and so much fun is like i said you have pretty much everything that you'd want in a spooky movie um you have the character of lucinda um who is a witch but when she rises she's also a vampire so she's a vampire witch um because why not um you have werewolves, uh, including, I think, the most frightening werewolf that I've ever seen in a movie. Um, just vicious, vicious, vicious werewolf. Um, you also have a bunch of zombies. Um, some are terrifying, but there's also one zombie who's, like, super, super drunk and just wants to have fun. Uh, there's also a zombie that is a little person and might be a kind of werewolf or something. Not really sure. It doesn't matter. Um, you also have, uh, the town serial killer, Vernon Nestor, um, who comes back to life. So you have a, a zombie undead serial killer as well. Um, oh, you just, you just have everything, um, and sort of spooky undead creatures from all parts of history, including uh, a girl named Sandy, played by Jonna Lee, who uh, was a cheerleader in the 1950s. And for some reason, Sandy's the only uh, one of the undead that comes back looking pristine, just as she was when she was alive. Everyone else is sort of spooky in a way. Um, but Sandy just is kind of normal. Um, and these, all these undead creatures gradually make their way into the town of Pitchford Cove and, and start killing all the residents of the town. And over the course of Halloween night, they completely take over the town and every person in the town that they kill becomes undead as well. So you have even more zombies and werewolves and vampires and witch vampires that uh, come out to play. And it all comes down to the big Halloween party. Uh, and then Phil and Sandy, who start falling in love, have to find a way to stop the curse um, before midnight on Halloween, or else it will become permanent forever. It's a great movie. It is a lot of fun. Um, and it's interesting because this is at once such an 80s movie and at the same time very 50s influenced as well. Um, the soundtrack to this film, which is absolutely great, features a lot of 50s songs. Um, but then there's also uh, a big production number at the Halloween party, a song written and performed by Sherry Belafonte Harper, who plays the character of Melissa, who is uh, bitten by her ancestor and becomes a vampire herself. Um, and it's called Get Dead, um, and it is the best thriller ripoff you will ever see. Um, I also have to note another um, really notable cast member in The Midnight Hour is LeVar Burton, um, who, of course, uh, came to fame for playing Kunta Kinte in the television miniseries of Roots, did this film, and then also became beloved to 
generations of children for being the host of the PBS show Reading Rainbow. Uh, and then, of course, uh, playing Jordy LaForge in Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, so you get to see a young LeVar Burton in this movie as well, which is just another bonus. Um, Wolfman Jack, the famous radio DJ from the uh, 70s and 80s, is in this movie uh, doing his Wolfman Jack thing. He's great. Uh, this is also the very first film of Macaulay Culkin. He appears as one of the trick-or-treaters in an early scene. He's uncredited, but you can clearly tell it's him if you know where to look. Uh, the Midnight Hour is a movie that was released on VHS, uh, which is how I first came across it. Uh, it was released on DVD in, I think, 2000, but that it was only available very briefly before it went out of print. Um, and you can find bootleg versions of the Midnight Hour on DVD, um, but the actual real copies are extremely hard to find and are very, very expensive. Luckily, though, some kind folks have uploaded the Midnight Hour onto YouTube, so you can watch it for free. Um, and you have two choices of how to watch The Midnight Hour on YouTube. One is just the movie itself, um, really great print of it from the DVD release, but someone also uh, uploaded a recording of The Midnight Hour of the original broadcast from 1985, including all of the 80s commercials. So if you really want that authentic 1985 Midnight Hour experience, it is there for you on YouTube, and I will make sure to post a link to that. I cannot say how much I love this movie. It is my favorite Halloween movie of all time. I watch it every year on October 31st. Thank you, Mom, for exposing me to this wonderful movie when I was way, way too young to see it. Um, I mean, I'm talking like I would literally hide behind the couch uh, when certain scenes came on because they were so scary. Um, and when they were over, I would get back on the couch and, and continue watching. And still today as an adult, I don't hide behind the couch anymore when I watch The Midnight Hour. But those scenes do still uh, freak me out. There's some... It's a really, there's a lot of great humor and fun in the Midnight Hour, and there's also just really terrifying, creepy stuff, um, which is the perfect combination. What else could you, what more could you want in a Halloween movie? Folks, I want to thank you all so much for being with me on this project. This is something I've wanted to do for a long time, and I'm glad I finally got to do it, and I hope you've enjoyed listening, and I hope you have an incredible Halloween, especially uh, now in 2020 in the times we're living in. I mean, I'm in Philadelphia. You can hear the helicopters right now, even though my windows are closed flying over West Philly because of everything that's going on. Um, but Halloween is important. No matter what, Halloween will never die. And I hope you enjoy this holiday and stay safe, my friends. And to play us out for 62 horror movies until next time, I'm going to play the song Get Dead from the Midnight Hour, and I can't think of a better way to close. Thank you very much, my friends. Happy Halloween. Don't get down. About six feet under. Get dead. Ooh, I love this song.